Christ. If you'll open with me your Bibles in the Gospel of John chapter 8 verses 31. The Bible says, Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, the Bible says, then ye are my disciples indeed. If ye continue in my word, he said, then ye are my disciples indeed. And he said, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Somebody shout hallelujah. He says, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Continue in my word. He says, you shall be my disciples. You shall be my disciples if you continue in my word. And he says, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Praise God, somebody. Somebody say, the truth makes free. Say it again and say, the truth makes free sets free, whichever you want to call it. Now, this is a very common scripture, very common verse, and I believe many people have said it over and over, right? But tonight I want to take you through a journey of understanding a very pertinent life uh, of ministry and the gospel. You see, truth, even though the liberal Christians, and I believe some uh, rational thoughts out there say that truth is a relative idea. They say that the human mind has no ability in its own to fully comprehend the fullness of what ought to be absolute truth because you cannot um, rely on the hypothesis of the brain, the human mind, to conclude what the world is and what it is not because, again, it's not sure what it sees versus the other creatures on the face of the earth and probably a lion maybe looks at you and it looked at, looks at you as a well-cooked meal ready to eat. And so they, they, they go on and on in defining what our human mind can and what it doesn't. But you see, there are fundamental things about the human mind that, again, sometimes don't fit in that kind of thought. For example... Humanity has paradigm. We know where we are at on the earth. I can look at right now on the map and some in Uganda. Animals don't have that conscience. You can't get a lion right now and throw it in Germany and it knows that it is in Germany. It will only discern that it's in a different place, but it might not find its way back. But humanity has the mind to find its way back. Praise God. Number two, there are things in the human heart that define thought way bigger than just you saying that human beings don't have the ability, the innate ability for them to discern what is truth. It speaks in what makes us human beings, right? In Africa, we call it Ubuntu. There are things that prove that we have a heart that pumps and a mind that connects to that heart. There are many things that would go beyond what science would conclude because again, sometimes when they zero our minds to that, then somehow, they create a reality, a false reality that, you know, truth is relative. What you call truth is not what I call truth, and your truth is truth, and my truth is truth. But that's not so. Truth is absolute. Whether you believe it or not, whether you take it or not, whether you, you understand it or not, truth is absolute. God is God. A tree is a tree. A cow is a cow. You can call it whichever you want to call it. For me, you can say, me, I see it's not a cow. You know, there's even a place of respecting opinions. I don't respect certain opinions. I just tolerate them and say, okay, if you feel that way, I'll tolerate you, right? Because I cannot respect what is contrary to truth. You understand, Christians? I tolerate it. I can accept and say, okay, this is how you think. It's all right, right? 
But at the end of the day, sometimes we have to go back to what is absolutely true. And what is truth? Hallelujah. What is truth? Jesus said, I am the way. He said, I am the truth. And he said, I am the life. And he says, and nobody gets to the Father except by me. That's a very fundamental reality. That's a thing so deep for a man to say. You see, when the whole world is trying to define truth and one man comes and says, I am the truth. That is so revolutionizing. No wonder they had to kill him. No wonder he became a threat. No wonder Christianity is a threat. Because it claims to have the truth in a person. And everything he says for us as Christians is truth. We don't question it. That is a threat. Because to a guy who is there and does not believe in the same God as you do, he has his own definitions of true and he has his own idea of what he regards and deems to be true and fact. For us, it is true and it is truth. It is the person of Jesus Christ. They are facts, but facts are not truths. If you go to a doctor and the doctor says that you have a disease in your body, that's a fact. Are you hearing me? It is not a truth. Are you hearing me? Even what you did yesterday is not a truth. It's a fact. <laughs> it's a fact that yesterday you ate too much food. Praise God. But when we go in the place of truth, truth is absolute and it is defined in the place of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, if we have to go through this journey of saying you will know the truth and the truth will make you free, we have to go deep in tr truly understanding who is truth. What is truth? What is this thing that makes free? And, and humanity says that. We say that a lot, but not many of us have the understanding. That is why many of us are still bound in a way. Many of us are still struggling with things in a way that just don't seem to leave. You pray, you fast, you do this, you do that. And what haven't I done, apostle? I have gone here, I've gone that. What haven't I done? But I don't see truth. I don't see. Because you see, maybe you do not know truth. He said, when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. That is as absolute as I can tell it to you. It might take a long time for some of us to understand how serious this is. But again, one day we will realize it. We will see it. We will understand it finally. You might take 20 years. You might take 15 years. You might take, I don't know, one minute. You can get it now. Probably somebody in this room understands it. But if there is any form of why certain things are not working the way they are working in our lives, don't point on anybody or anything. Point on yourself and ask yourself, do I know the truth? Do I know the truth? So this kind of someone is not you looking at anybody and then say, ah, but that sister, but that brother. No, no, no. I'm trying to preach something that has to go to you for you to address, for you to pray about, for you to think through, for you to go deep into understanding and chewing on and meditating therein to see that you get a clearer understanding of what I'm talking about. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. In Timothy chapter 2 verses 3 and 4, the Bible says that for this is a good and acceptable in the sight of God. The Bible says who will have all men to come to be saved, the Bible says, and to come to the knowledge of truth. 
God does not only want you to be saved. In fact, some people say, oh, you know what? God only wants salvation from you. He only wants you to give him his, 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 your heart. No, 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 no. The Bible says, we'll have all men to be saved. He said it is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. Yes, you became born again. Beautiful. Have you transcended to the knowledge of the truth? Yes, you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Beautiful. But have you transceded to the knowledge of the truth? He does not only want you saved. He does not only want you speaking in tongues. He does not only want you casting out devils. But have you come to the knowledge of the truth? And he's clearly telling you there is a difference between a man being born again and a man coming to the knowledge of the truth. And that is why he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7, he says there are people, you can have a situation where you are ever learning. The Bible says ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You listen to sermons. You read books of wonderful writers. You play CDs in your car. You, play, you carry your flash on your laptop. You've put some on your phone. You attend services every Thursday. You're here every Sunday. You do all of these things, yes. But you have not come to the knowledge of the truth. Not everybody who studies the word comes to the knowledge of the truth. Not everybody who searches the scriptures comes to the knowledge of the truth. Not every preacher who stands on the pulpit or minister out there comes to the knowledge of the truth. And that is why we have people, ministers of the gospel, who when you start looking at them, you actually wonder, why doesn't this guy have a ministry? Why isn't this fellow's ministry successful with everything he's saying? Why isn't this guy's ministry growing with everything he's saying? He seems to know much. We used to go to school, we went to school with very bright people. Somebody starts speaking and you're like, oh, this fellow is sharp. Have you been around people who advise people how to do business but they cannot run business themselves? You understand what I'm saying? They have so much head knowledge and what their heads receive and conceive because they can cram a lot. Some people then confuse that for the experience of knowledge and the place that qualifies a man to manifest the things that they claim to know. I, when I was growing up, I used to get so stirred in my mind every time I met people who looked like they know what they were saying, but when they get into the ministry, of the gospel. They don't have the results of the gospels. I used to ask myself, but this guy, when he starts speaking, you feel that he understands it. You feel that he knows what he's saying. Yes, he looks like he knows, but he does not know. When you know the truth, you are free in the liberties. And so when we say we'll make you free, of course, some people say, ah, it will make me free to get a job. It will make me free to get a car. It will make me free to get a husband. It will make me free to heal my body. It will make me free for a breakthrough. It will make free, me free to succeed in my books. That is a very little drop in the ocean of knowing truth. Those are simply results of the knowledge of truth. They are not the very knowledge of truth. God once you, when the Bible speaks of knowing the truth to make you free, freedom is to access. And access, right, by faith, to access 
is to come in contact with the spirit of grace in the person and revelation of Jesus Christ. When you are, when your understanding is a bit shallow in these things, you will think that truth is only there to get you a job. It's only there to give you that breakthrough, that next answer that you need. But as you continue to grow in God, you realize that even Muslims, the heathen, have the things that you're believing God for. And so God says it is deeper than that. So does that mean that because the Muslim is driving a nice car or this non-believer is living in a multi-million dollar mansion, therefore he knows truth? Does that mean he knows truth? No. There are people who have the things you're believing God for and they don't qualify them as knowledge of truth. Even you cannot qualify them as knowledge of truth because they are besides God. They do not know God. They don't have a relationship with God. But anyway, they have those things. So then truth has to spell a deeper dimension of understanding. And this is to the fact that for us, freedom is accessing everything we must know in Christ. True freedom begins when you have freedom to access the spirit of revelation continually in your life. Because with revelation is purpose. And with purpose, it goes beyond just the satisfaction of your personal human nature. It goes so deep in the fulfillment of the reason why God created you on this earth. Let me tell you, we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Any man in this room would lie to you to think that they are better than the man next to them. Even the ones accusing the other person or accusing the other believer or the other minister are also as worse. Are you hearing me? You, know, you, you can also put yourself in a place of judgment and say, Kali, how can this do that? How can this person do this? How can the other brother do this? How can this sister do this? But you see, turn the light on you, miss. Turn the light on you, mister. You also have things the moment we put that like, oh, you could even be worse. That is why it's short-sighted to judge. People who judge don't see. I'm telling you, people who judge others a certain way don't see. You understand? Because you see, maybe this person is going through a stage in life. Eh? Recently, I was trying to talk to somebody, I was sharing with somebody in my heart, and I said, look, you, you remember the thing one time I shared about Peter? When, when Jesus comes to Peter, he says, I saw Satan sift you like wheat. He says, but I've prayed for you. He did not say that I've prayed for you that you walk out of this thing and that thing doesn't attack you. No, he says, I've prayed for you that your faith fail you not. In other words, there are things Peter had to go through. Of course, there'll be somebody judging. Of all people, Peter... Peter, really, you walked with our master, you ate with a man. You can, nay, Peter, you don't get ashamed. Peter, the rock. You even walked on water for steps. Are you following what I'm saying? But he says, but when thou art restored, restore your own brethren. You don't know at what point you'll fall when Peter is standing. Praise God. So sometimes, that's why for me, I don't get involved in those small trivial things of judging matters. Eh? small, small things. No, 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 no. God, some people, all of us are a work in progress. Tell your neighbor I'm a work in progress. <laughs> yes. Even if we open, you would find things there that are broken wires. Praise God. But thanks be to God that he still loves us unconditionally. Still uses us and, you know, without hesitation. He still believes in you without fail. 
He's still patient with you. You don't understand it. Tell your neighbor God is good. Turn to somebody and tell them God is good. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, he says that you can learn and learn and learn and learn and never come to the knowledge of the truth. In fact, John chapter 1 and verses 3, John rejoices. He says, for I rejoiced greatly. He says, when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, he says, even as thou walkest in the truth, I rejoiced when I heard of the truth that is in you, even as thou walkest in the truth. That means the people that came to John did not tell him these believers are walking in truth. No, they told him of the testimonies of how the believers walked in truth. And when he heard of the testimonies of how they walked in truth, he understood that there was a truth in them. The truth in you is defined by the truth you walk in. You walk in as much as it's in you. Tell anybody, you walk in as much as it's in you. Say it again. Say it. You walk in as much as is within you. Yes. Somebody said, you walk in as much as much. <laughs> I understand. Don't worry. So, what, what is the Greek word there for walking in? It means to produce results and progress. That means your progress defines how much truth is in you. The results on your life define how much truth is in you. The successes of your story define how much truth is in you. That means the ability of truth in you defines how much things start manifesting and working together for good in your life. Somebody shout hallelujah. Praise God somebody. It is the truth in you. 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 That defines how you walk. Now if you're a person here and you look at your life and you feel that you're stuck in a certain way. You're stuck in a certain area. You're stuck in a certain situation. It does not matter what situation there is. Many times you have to draw back and say, God, what don't I see? You can blame everybody else. But at the end of the day, you have to, you see maturity is taking responsibility of your life. Are you hearing me? You might not be responsible of the family you were born in. You didn't choose your parents. You might not be responsible of the school you went in. They chose it by the education that, you know, they could afford. You might not be responsible of the thing that you were born with. Maybe you were born asthmatic or sickle-celled. You might not even be responsible of what happened to you last year. But you're responsible of what's going to happen to you tomorrow. Why? Because he has put it and embedded it in your spirit to change it by faith. If you live a life of going back to blame your parents, the situation, the government, the state, the people, that I would have been this, but that person, listen, every time you look in the back, you lose picture of your front. Every time you look in the past, you lose revelation of your responsibility for the future. You might not be responsible of what's in your body right now, but you're responsible of it staying. Of what's in your mind right now, but you're responsible of it staying. 
of what is in your life and your family. Yes, now, but you're responsible of it staying. You have to take responsibility of your life. The Bible says, he that ruleth his spirit is greater than he that taketh a city. The Bible says, a man whose spirit is not ruled is, a man, is like a city without walls. You must learn to rule your spirit. You must learn to define your next step and the success of your destiny regardless of how bad your story has been. You can still rebuild it and finish big in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. You just need to learn to rule your spirit. You just need to learn to submit your spirit to the word of God. You just need to submit your heart and your soul and say, you know what, God, with this one, I am willing to give myself wholly, to meditate on these things. The Bible says, and give yourself wholly to them. And it says, and your success, your profiting will be evident before all men. May the word of God start working in you and may people look at you and say, evidently, that person understands the word. Somebody say amen. amen. May things start running, running around your life and people will start to say, evidently, this woman has come to the knowledge of the truth. You can see the freedom in her life. You can see the freedom in his body. You can see the freedom in his business. You can see the freedom in everything he does. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. But the thing that sometimes fails me as a believer, as a man of God, as a minister, is how sometimes some people in the church do not see that they are ever learning, but they have failed to come to the knowledge. And then they blame situations. You know my job, my boss, somebody frustrated me, that guy, that sister, that brother, this thing, this car, this house, oh, the way I live, it's far. If I did this, no, no. And you're blaming everything. And then there's this guy who came in when I was doing my business deal and frustrated me. No. No. There is no temptation that has befallen you that is not common to man. Everything you're going through, somebody has gone through, and there is somebody that has gone through and defeated it. There is somebody that has gone through the same situation that you're going through right now, and they have beaten it. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, we are ever learning, and I understand that, but can we come to the knowledge of the truth? Because as a pastor, there is nothing that has bled my heart like, teaching somebody the word for years and years and years and years and years and then one day somebody does something and you're like oh my god they did not know they didn't know the truth this person was jumping every night in service but they did not know the truth this person was fasting in 40 day fasts but they did not know the truth this person gave their money for the gospel but they did not know the truth this person served and they cleaned chairs and they were excited and they served, genuinely served, but they did not know the truth. And consequently, they do not have progress. Some even have made decisions that are going to destroy them or have destroyed them already. Why? Because they do not know the truth. They do not know the truth. When Pontius Pilate is talking to Jesus Christ, in, G, in John 18, verse 36 to 37, Pilate said unto him, he asked him, Art thou the king then? Art thou a king then? Are you the king of the Jews? He's asking him. 
And Jesus answered and said, Thou sayest that I am king. He says, To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. I have a someone there. I pray God gives me the grace. That statement is deep. But the Bible says that I should bear witness unto and true, and true truth. For this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. I went to the end of it, and when I went to the end of it, I was born in this world. I, Jesus was born from the end of it. Somebody shout hallelujah. He was born from the end of it. And he says, to this end was I born, and for this cause came I into this world. He says, to be a witness to the truth. And he says the very fundamental fact, the true reality and truth. He says, everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. What a powerful statement. He means to say, that when you are of the truth, you hear my voice. That means the voice of God can only be heard when a man understands truth. If you never understand truth, you will never hear the voice of God. I have seen people who are detached from the person of truth and they are going on prayer mountains to hear the voice of God concerning a matter and familiar spirits have spoken to them and through them and they've been convinced that it is the Holy Spirit but you look at the results they don't walk in the progress of a man who has believed God they don't walk in the successes of a man who knows God let me tell you the voice of God puts a price on you that's why I always insist and tell people there is no man in church history body of Christ biblical history that God has ever spoken to distinctively and that man stayed average. When the voice of God comes so clear on your life, you will see positive progress. Why? Because it comes with its own inherent power to perform what God has spoken. He that has spoken is also able to perform. He that has begun that good work by giving you that revelation and vision, he is also able to perform until the day of Christ. The issue is not you doing the word. The issue is you receiving the voice. When the voice comes clearly, the results come with it. Somebody said hallelujah. It is not possible to hear the voice of God and stay over it. And, and every time my heart breaks, every time I hear people who claim the Lord spoke to me, the Lord spoke to me, the Lord spoke to me, and you look at them 10 years and nothing has changed. And they still claim the Lord spoke to me. And you look at them 15 years, but I had God. And then you look at them 20 years and they say, but I had the Holy Spirit. No. The voice of God comes with the power to perform. The Bible says they should hear his voice and should leave. When you hear the voice of God, you leave. This says, verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. That they hear and they shall leave. When you hear the voice of God, the life of God is activated in your spirit. Something starts to work. Certain things start to move. Certain things start to break. Even the things that look impossible, they start becoming possible. Because it says, Go! You stand up and move with faith. Why? Because the voice that said walk, it has the ability to hold you on water by faith. Somebody shout hallelujah. When you hear the voice of God, you leave. You leave. 
So why is stuff dead? Why is your relationship dead? Why are your finances dead? Why is your ministry dead? Why are things dead? Why is your body dying every day? You don't know the truth. When you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Oh, no, I'm just in the process. If you are under incubation period, at least if you're a man under incubation period, of those who are still waiting on the Lord, but something will still step up, anything under incubation bears witness of the heat. Somebody shout hallelujah. When you say that this hen, the mother hen is sitting on her eggs, they bear witness that they're under incubation because even though they are hidden in the shell, they can testify that at a particular point in time, they feel the heat that reminds them, do you still feel it on you or your conscience is dead? Some people don't feel that heat. There's no hope in their embers. There's only regret and frustrations. They're distraught. They're depressed. They're stressed. They're diseased. They're disturbed. They're troubled people. They're bitter. They're angry. You don't even know why you're angry. Do you know there are people who wake up in the morning and they're just angry with the world? You greet the person and they don't even want to answer you. You might think you wronged them. No, you did not wrong them. They just, they're just dying. They are, see something in them that is broken. And everybody outside their world is paying the price for their brokenness within. That's why sometimes I understand such people. Because being a man of God, I see it all. I see people. And you see somebody, and if you're here in this room, eh, and you're the kind who wakes up in the morning and you're angry, you need help. Joy is supposed to be the first thing that engulfs your soul in the morning. Are you hearing me? Right, right? He says, weeping may endure but for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Every believer must have a certain joy early. You must wake up with a certain thing on you. Hallelujah. I don't, you, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what the doctor said. It doesn't matter the situation. Because you carry the life which is of God, there is a joy that cometh every morning. Because his mercies are new. Every morning, when you wake up early in the morning, masses fall on you. Hallelujah. Goodness falls on you. The joy of the Lord becomes your strength. You get out of bed and you're happy. But how can you wake up some of you and the next morning you're sad? And in the same place, there's somebody who's walking up there singing, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy. I'm happy. The guy is happy in the morning. Hallelujah. And for you, you're just. Good morning. Then you ask them, why aren't you greeting me? Sorry, I've just woken up. You're like a computer that needs to boot. And it has Windows 95. <laughs> XP, thank you. Intel Core 2. <laughs> Praise God. Somebody say, I carry the joy of the Lord. Every morning I will wake up happy. 
Because his mercies are new every morning. Somebody shout hallelujah. His mercies are new every morning. And every time I wake up, I wake up to that joy. I wake up to that victory. I wake up to the understanding of the son of God who gave himself freely for me. I wake up to the God with whom all things are possible. In whom there is no shadow of turning within. Who has great plans to make me prosper, not to harm me. To give me a future and hope. That expected end. Whose lines are falling in pleasant places because I have him. The ayara. You have every morning you have a reason to be happy. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. You wake up in the morning and first dance for yourself a bit. Are you hearing me? And people may don't understand, but you see, in your heart you know why you're dancing. You're not dancing because, no, no, you're just dancing because something in you tells you this day is going to be good. I began it well and I'm going to sleep happy. I began happy and I'm going to finish happy. It doesn't matter what happened in my life. Nobody can take away my joy because my joy is not based on my feeling, no. It is based on my nature in Christ. And your whole day can only be brighter. But then some people in the morning, they are sad. And then they start switching on slowly by slowly. Joy comes by 1 p.m. And already 1 p.m. people have already eaten food. Your joy is not beneficial. Praise God. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's why we rejoice of the truth in men. Why? Because it starts to produce certain results. God has chanced, not chanced, God has blessed me and I believe some men of God, not all, but some men of God a certain way. When you can see in the spirit, huh? I, I always tell you we say more than we see. And sometimes when you flip, I can say more. But again, there is nothing as painful as seeing a man make a decision and you know that it's going to destroy them and you can't stop them. You just can't stop them. You can't stop them. I've seen it all the time as a man of God. And I can see, oh, this brother has made a decision X. It's going to cost them another 10 years in life. But who am I to talk to them? And you watch, you just observe. There are individuals, I've told them, and said, that fellow is going to hit shipwreck. And they see it all the time. These men are my witness. My wife as well knows those things. I, I can see, and some of you who are close to me, you know. I can see and say this person is making a decision X, but they are going to knock. But some cannot hear. Because you see, the person of the Holy Spirit in the revelation of truth shows you things to come. You don't need to be a prophet. No. The Bible says, and the Spirit of God will show you things to come. There th you can look at someone's future and see that they are going somewhere. You can't stop them. You can't advise them. You can't talk to them. And the sad thought of watching. There are people out seeing a vision going to die. And I say, God, is there anything I can do? And he tells you, you can do nothing. And then you start, you go through a certain sorrow and pain. And you're like, but Jesus, this person, I can pray. Yeah, yes. And he says, yes. But with this one, they have set themselves against truth. The Bible says they rebel against the light. 
Are you hearing me? They rebel against the light and they know, the Bible says, not the ways thereof, nor abide in the paths thereof. They rebel against the light. In other words, this person is going for destruction not because God didn't speak to them, but because they refused to heed to truth. To truth. It breaks. So when I hear men destroyed for a lack of knowledge, for me as a man of God, I understand it a certain way. Truth is not as straight as many of you assume is. Some people assume, oh, I know the truth. No, some of you don't, but you don't even know that you don't. The story is given when Paul is taken before Festus and Agrippa the king. You remember? Honorable Festus and Agrippa. And he's giving a defense of his faith. He's arrested and I think he has to, to appeal to Caesar or something. So, Festus is before him and Paul is before him. And Paul begins to speak you what you and I call truth. Right? And when Paul is speaking truth, in verses 24, the Bible says, and as he thus spoke for himself, as Paul was speaking, Festus said with a loud voice. Right? He says, Paul, thou art beside thyself. He says, for thou art besides yourself and much learning doth make thee mad. He spoke in a loud voice. He says, you're besides yourself. You're learning too much and you're running mad. There's a man in the room preaching truth. And there's another man in the room who can attest, yes, the things you're speaking tell me that you're a reader. But much reading is setting you besides yourself and you're running mad. He said it in a loud voice. That's why I also said it in a loud voice. Are you following what I'm saying? He said it in a loud voice. And he said, too much learning. He's killing you. He's making you mad. You're beside yourself. Paul is speaking truth. But there's a man there listening to the same truth and realizing this guy is running mad. This guy is besides himself. There is something wrong with him. Doesn't see this. Doesn't he see that? Didn't do this. Didn't he do this? Didn't he go there? Doesn't he see? Doesn't he see? Doesn't he understand? Why? By the time Festus judges matters that way, there is a way he also sees life. And Paul, the Bible says, but he said to him, I am not what? Mad, noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth in soberness. He said, Paul is telling him, on the contrary, what you see as mad and besides myself, I'm actually speaking truth in the most sober nature. But because you're detached from it, you see madness. And the next verse says, for the king knoweth, that means there's another guy in the same room as I'm speaking this truth which you call madness. In the most soberness, there's a guy right here. I am sure he knows. You, you mean, and interestingly, when you're a minister of truth, you can tell who knows, who understands. You can discern. He says, for the king knoweth these things before whom I also speak freely. Why does Paul find freedom to speak before King Agrippa? But he finds a resistance and, and a reservation when he's speaking to the rest of the people in the room. Yes, 
He is in the room, but he's not saying that I speak freely before the king and any other person except you, Festus. No, he's saying I'm speaking freely before Agrippa, but the people around me, everybody around me, I feel like there's a resistance. I'm not free to release truth to you. Yet I'm speaking to everybody. But there's a man in the room with whom I'm finding freedom to speak to the truth in soberness. He says, of whom I speak freely too, for I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. And then he says, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? Agrippa didn't answer, but he knows the answer. He says, I know that you believe. And the next version says, and Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. You almost persuaded me to be a Christian. Why is he saying so? Agrippa was understanding everything. Festus was looking at a madman speaking. And there are folk in the room who don't know whether the man is mad or the man is speaking truth. They are waiting to see the countenance of Agrippa or Festus. They are just a confused bunch observing a man articulate mystery. Agrippa said, I've understood you. You almost persuade me to be Christian. That means everything Paul was speaking, Agrippa was following. He was understanding. He says, they that are of the truth, they hear my voice. Agrippa was of the truth. He might have not yet been a believer immediately, but there was something in him that could cipher truth. Don't think that everybody who listens to you is of the truth. No. Not everybody who listens to what you say is of the truth. And if he's not of the truth, he will not hear God in you. You'll just be wasting his time or her time. So, of course, as a man of God, you have to come to the sad reality that not everybody will understand you, and that's all right. But when a man there are people when you listen to and you are of the truth. Something connects. There's a guy who met me this week. He came in my office. And he said, hi, I came to say hello. I came with my sister. And he said, you know what? Me, I didn't believe in these things of pastors, balokoli things of church. And the guy said, me, even the thing of going to church... It's not my thing. I, I don't like church. I don't go to church. They don't make sense to me. I look at all the preachers and I bunch them in one corner. I concluded I don't want to know. Then he said, but then for some reason, my sister kept insisting and I said, you know what, let me come with you to church. And the guy says, when you spoke, I could understand everything you were saying. You understand? This was a man who doesn't come to church, but when you speak, he understands you. You see, not everybody out of church doesn't know the truth. Not everybody out of church is not of the truth. There are people who are non-believers, but there is a seed in there of truth. And there are people who are tongue-speaking, fire-spitting, demon-chasing, but when you check in there, the voice of God in them is dead. There are people who are not born again, but they hear the voice of God. And there are people who are born again, and the voice of God is barbaric to them. Somebody shout hallelujah. There is something that inclines us to know truth and to connect with truth. There is something that inclines us to relate with truth. There is something that inclines us to fall in love 
with truth. There is something that shows the distinction that we are of the truth. We are of the truth. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, sometimes, you know, there are people we look at, eh? ministers, and you're like, but this fellow, how come he doesn't see what he's playing? Oh, how can Fenera have 10,000 people in, in, one, in one year? How do you have all these thousands? How do they come? How He's called, he's this, he's this, we don't believe in him. Yes, yes, and that's okay. But a minister who has been in the gospel and you're not able, and then you ask yourself, but this guy you're talking about, have you ever heard him? And he says, not really. Oh, I heard a few things. Well, can you quote him wrong? I don't need to hear him to, ooh, you understand what I'm saying? That is setting yourself against truth. You know, when you start rebelling, the spirit of rebellion, the Bible says, is as witchcraft. The body of Christ has a certain form of witchcraft that has entered. So when Paul comes to the Galatians and tells them who bewitched you, because some people think witchcraft is juju. That is small. There is deep-seated witchcraft in church. How does somebody speak something evil and people are clapping? If that's not bewitched. No, what do you call that if they're not bewitched? You understand what I'm saying? Because the spirit of witchcraft and the spirit of rebellion are together. They are, some of us used to be with men. You sit with him in the car. You finish preaching and the guy sits in the car and boasts. Have you seen how I blasted them? Have you seen how I burnt them? Have you seen how I've hit them? Have you seen how I've... You understand it? And you're like, but so are we bad blasting, bursting, hitting? Hmm? Are, we, are we there to just bust, blast, burn? You understand what I'm saying? Hey, hey have you seen what I've done? Have you, you understand it? And I'm like, but I thought the gospel is not what I do. The gospel is what God does through me. You understand what I'm saying? I sat with men. I used, we used to sit with men and a man tells you, you know what? You know why you're poor? He says, you don't know how to get money from people. And I'm like, say it again. He says, you don't know how to get money from people. Now, what do you call that? Who bewitched him? Who is understanding what I'm saying? Who told you the gospel is about getting money from people? How can you center your whole ministry and get such a beautiful life of Christ who came on earth to shed his blood for you, to purchase your eternal salvation, to become the propitiation of your sins, to give you life, freedom, joy, and hope, and peace, to give you liberty to serve him and live a life after and enjoy heaven, and then you zero it to how to get money from people. What do you call that? Because sometimes you ask who bewitched this person? Did they bewitch themselves? Were they bewitched by another individual? That's what rebellion is. That's what rebellion is. How can you rebel against the light? I'll give you an example. Simple, typical example. Somebody annoys you. Right? 
But you are a reader of the word. You're not a babe. Okay? Somebody annoys you. And then when they annoy you, you behave funny. Recently I was dealing with someone. They were snapped. Somebody annoyed them. Somebody did something that was improper to them. And this Christian spoke certain words. They did not know that I was in the presence when they were doing what they were doing. So I come to this person and ask him, did you hear the words you say to that believer? Are you hearing? They were not from this church. They are from somewhere else. Ask them, did you hear the words you say to that believer? And this person says, but you see, eh, this person, you see, they went into explaining reason for why they were doing what they are doing. I could not sit this person down to tell him that that is the very spirit of rebellion and the thing that begets witchcraft. Because when witchcraft comes in you, you consume wickedness. You deliberately start to become wicked without knowing. I could not sit this person down to tell him, look, the issue is not what they have done to you. The issue is that what they have done to you was enough to snap you and make you speak things that do not become of the faith that you profess. He says, you let your speech be always with what? With grace that it might give what? Yes, to the hearers. It has to minister people. It, should, it has to be seasoned with salt it, it, that it may, you may know how to answer every man. Your speech, regardless of what people do to you, you cannot give an excuse and say that I'm responding to this Christian this way because they did this to me. Regardless of what they do to you, your speech must be always with grace and seasoned. With what? With salt. That you may ought to know how to answer every man. That you will know how to answer every man. Silence is an answer. Keep quiet. Walk away. But I posted me, uh, uh, also. Huh? One time I was dealing with a young girl. I was trying to help her get out of anger. I asked her, tell me about this thing. Because with height was a demon. She told me, let me tell you, Apostle Grace. Eh? I can beat with words. Apostle, I can beat with words. <laughs> so I got interested. I said, mm-hmm. how do you beat with words? Like if somebody does something or says something that I don't agree with. Huh? In my head, I count one up to ten. By the time I get to ten, I've got an answer to beat you. You understand what I'm saying? If I can't beat you with my mouth, she says, I can do it with my eyes. I get you, I flip you, I put you upside down, and then I roll you, and then I throw you out. <laughs> flip you, I throw you down, I put you up, I put you up, and then I throw the two and throw you out. Some girl, a couple of years ago. Now, this person told me that for them, they count up to 10. By the time they finish 10. That means those 10 seconds, the mind is meditating every evil thing. She has opened up to everything in hell to fill her with an answer. 
Hanangi. What if those 10 seconds you give the Holy Ghost? You start digging into the Bible to see how to answer. Praise God. Recently, I was reading a, a story of a guy who did something very, very amazing. So this guy was driving on a bike, right? And then there was this guy who was a very fast driver. And then this guy somehow swerved and almost killed this guy. But he didn't stop to say sorry. He just drove away. Zzz. So this guy in anger, your so racist to follow the guy. So the guy stops at a coffee shop and then enters into a coffee shop. And then this guy also goes into the coffee shop to give him his peace of mind. Don't you realize it's just a piece? You've left the whole mind here. So the guy enters like this and he says he didn't find the guy. And then he sits down. He orders a coffee. He's waiting for the guy to give his peace of mind. So the guy comes in. And when he realizes the guy had gone to the toilet, right? And so the guy comes through from the toilet and then he goes in the line as well to what? To order something to drink. This guy says something just came over him and he stood up and his heart was smitten that he had driven all that way, bought coffee, waited for a man to give him a piece of money. And something told him, you know this? Do this the godly way. He went into the very, very lines and then he stood behind the man and then waited. When the man makes the order, he says, don't worry, I'll pray for you. He paid for the guy's bill. Wait, so after paying for the guy's bill, he says, oh man, thank you very much. Why did you do that? How? Why? How? He says, you know, I'm the guy you almost killed just down the road. I just felt I should bless you. The fellow broke down and said, telling him, you know what, I'm sorry, my wife, my marriage is breaking. And then before we know that, it became a counseling session. You get it? What a gospel. Christians, what a gospel. What a gospel. That is a man who set himself toward the light. To say, you know what God, regardless of how painful it is, let me choose to do what is right. When you rebel against the truth, you kill your ability to know truth. So you will ever learn, but you'll never come to the knowledge of the truth. So if the Bible says forgive 70 times 7, right? This is one thing this person has done to you and you have refused to release them. That is rebelling against the light. And if you rebel against the light, how are you opening your mouth every Sunday, every Thursday? What are you receiving? Are you trying to tell me that you're receiving of the same thing you're rebelling against? Truth? Because now this is no longer about what that sister did to you anymore. This is now about you and God before whom you stand. Who is truth? He says, I am the way, I am the truth. He says, learn of me, take of my yoke, for it is like, learn of me, for I am meek and humble. This is me right here, Christ, the person in truth. You are not doing what I would do. And then you stand on another service, but you think you will receive another part of me. That's not so we've learned Christ. You can forgive, right? 
but the wounds stay. The scars stay. A person who has forgiven, but they are still wounded and they're still scarred, but they have forgiven. There's one thing that is very clear with that individual. Forgiveness means taking something out of sight and ahead of you. Forgiveness means taking out of sight. Meaning that even if you have wounds and scars, you never talk about it to accuse the person. That's how you know you're forgiven. The moment you open your mouth and say, Rita, Rogers, Robert, Leticia did this to me, you've still not yet forgiven. You take out of sight and put it in the bag. It doesn't matter how painful it is, you don't talk about it. Because when you're consumed with it, you start now becoming the accuser of the brethren. And the scriptures say the accuser of the brethren is Satan. And somebody hears these things and still attacks the sister after service. You hear these things and you still attack your brother after service. You're rebelling yourself against the light. You kill the knowledge of the light and you darken your path. And before you know that, you get stuck in life and you don't even know how to make the next step. Why? Because you rebelled against truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let go. I was sharing somebody this week and I said, I have a testimony of somebody that was struggling and I told them, if you don't release that person, you will never be free from what they did to you. You will never. Why? Because you get the consequence of what they did to you and you put it ahead of you. You understand? If it is damaged, that damage won't leave. Whatever they've done to you, it will stay in front of you. Why? Because you have not put it in the back of forgiveness. It's still before your sight. And what you see, you become. You understand what I'm saying? You become. You become. You can't heal when you're still holding on the damage because of unforgiveness. You forgive, you get it out of sight. God, through his power, kills the consequence of that damage. But the damage never leaves when it's still before you. It has to go behind you. But the Bible has told you 70 times 7. This sister has hurt you once. They still have 70 times 7 times more. To hurt you. Whoa, wait. I've, one time I was listening to a Christian. He said, I can never forgive that guy. And this was a brother talking about another brother. He says, I can never forgive that guy. Unless he does that. And I said, hey, so now you've factored your forgiveness based on what the guy will do. And I said, hmm, this is how men rebel against light. And when you do, you frustrate the spirit of revelation. And when you frustrate the spirit of revelation, the voice of God dies. You stop to hear God. What for? Because you're setting yourself against the course of light. It's more than that. It's in our finances. If God has told you tithe, why are you eating the tithe? If God has told you give your first fruit, why are you eating the first fruit? Okay, if you're struggling with it, why don't you pray? Why don't you seek help and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm struggling with the issue of money. But then you eat it, and then, you, you understand? And then you continue. You, you see, 
For me, I don't mind a man who does all these things, but their heart toward God is repentant and sorrowful in the God kind to see that this thing leaves them. But there are people who even justify it. Why? Because you give reasons when you're not supposed to be giving reasons. Because it's not about these reasons. Your God is not poor. Right? What about serving God? How do you serve God? Do you serve God in the commitment you made before God to serve him? Or sometimes you serve, sometimes you don't. You understand? And even when you know what to do to serve, you still set yourself against it. And then you don't say sorry. You justify it. We cannot justify it. If you're wrong, you're wrong. Admit it and say, you know what, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. And if somebody tells you sorry, move on, let it go. Praise God. Kenneth Copeland already says it, quick to forgive, quick to what? To repent. Quick to repent, quick to forgive. Hallelujah. But there are many ways, I'm just giving examples, that we can set ourselves against and rebel against truth and then we lose the knowledge of its way and the parts thereof. So we continue ever learning but never coming to the knowledge and then you get stuck in one place. Revelations are coming every Tuesday, every Wednesday, every Thursday, visions, devotions, what? You're hearing all of these things and then you start to look at your neighbors prospering, moving, progressing even as they walk in truth and then you put the light on yourself and you're stuck. And then you think, no, I think I need a certain deliverance. Mama, we cast, we rebuke, you fall down, you dust yourself and you still stay the same person. You know, when somebody's a babe and they respond that way, I say, you know what? This person has done it because they what? A baby. But you can't be three years in the message that you're listening to and you're still doing things that babies do. That is deliberate rebellion. If somebody's born again two, three, four, five months and they're mixing up, yeah, one year, yeah, yeah, it's okay. But when you get to that level, and you're three, four, five years in the faith, and you're still having that issue, let me advise you, seek help. Just seek help. And say, you know what? Apostle, help me. I think I've failed to deal with this. I think I'm struggling in this area. We need to deal with it. Then we join hands and pray together, and God helps you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. You cannot continue learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Because I have seen people, me, they are ministers sometimes who speak and they preach and I hear them preaching and I'm like, wow, this guy actually has some substance. He's speaking things. Hmm. Then you look at him and his ministry fails. When, when you go into the lives of these people, there's something they set themselves against. In one time in life, there's something they just chose to set themselves against. So the grace of God is there, by the way. And the grace of God is simply his patience toward you because in your, in, in your heart he sees that you want to walk out and walk into truth. But you see, when you frustrate the spirit of grace, it's when you get to a point where his patience you start to abuse and justify your fault even if you're a grace preacher like how, then you're abusing a bigger power. 
You're abusing something higher than you. You're breaking the heart that seeks to help you. Don't set yourself against light. Praise God. Come on, speak to God. Talk to God. Just take a minute and talk to God. Talk to God. Just take a minute. He is the fire in me. The power that works heaven me. You are my ever-present help, oh Lord, Holy Spirit of Speak to him. He's the fire in me. You are the power that works. Talk to God. 
rebuke us, we'll hear. Reprove us, God, we will learn. Instruct us, we'll follow. Bend and break us, God, we'll do. Bend and break. Teach us, God, and we'll have understanding. God, we will yield to your word. We will not rebel against truth, God. You will help us, God. Our spirits are yielded to you, God. Your power, your glory in us, O oh God. Walk through us, O oh God. Help each one of us, God. We submit to your will in Jesus' name. We pray and believe. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have never given your life to Christ and you feel that the words you've heard tonight have touched you, you're going to speak the exact words I'm speaking, okay? You repeat the same words I'm, sp I'm speaking, but you pray in your heart, okay? Say, God, I thank you for giving me grace to be here, to hear your word. Tonight, my heart has heard, I believe that you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory. Tonight, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Amen.